0: You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Ewell. Hey, hey, everybody out there in podcast land. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Renewed You Podcast, a podcast all about helping you to live the life you were designed to live by getting healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so I'm glad to have you today. This podcast is proudly sponsored by New Life Church. You can find out more about New Life Church by visiting their website at newlifeokc.org. Org. I have a great friend with me today. Uh, I actually met this guy through the podcast network that you're listening to right now, Stream Grace Network. He has uh, a couple of podcasts out there. They're, his area is really exploding, and uh, we're going to get into all the ways that podcasting has helped to change his life, and I'm excited for you to meet my friend, Rick Fry. Hey, Rick, how you doing, bud? Hey, John,
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, now see, I was afraid of this. What? You sound better on here than I do. You um, actually sound like you belong doing podcasts, man, and radio you stuff. You know, people have said that, but I think I have talk like I have a mouthful of mush. <laughs> <don't know>. well, <laughs> well, the mush translates really, really well through the microphone there, oh, man.
1: Well.
0: We're not, I don't think any of us really like hearing our own voices. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Except... With these headphones, because I sound so much better through these than I do in real life. You do. Oh, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot better.
0: Rick leads... But you look the same. Yeah, yeah too bad I can't look better. <laughs> Rick and his wife lead a uh, ministry called oneness ministries That's right and um we're going to get into that here in a little bit and we'll put a link in the description of this podcast if you would like to go find out more information about oneness ministries but first rick let's start at the beginning man tell everybody who you are and kind of break your life down a little bit Oh, break my life down. Well, um, you know, like start at the beginning, you know. I was born at a very young age, which is never not funny. Yeah, (laughs) I'm glad it's a young age. It'd be
1: weird if you were born at like five or ten. That would be weird. Yeah. You know, we just say that kind of stuff to give us an opportunity to think think. about where we're starting. Um, Gosh, I'm native born Oklahoman. Um, My mom married a guy who became my stepdad and we began to move. I've lived in every western state except Washington and Oregon. Seriously? Yeah. And some places we stayed there three or four months. Some places we lived in a, a motel. But I I suspect the guy was running from the law. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, was he in sales or something that you guys were moving around? No, or? no he was just one of those guys that he could do anything he was a mechanic he was a machinist he was a appliance repairman and um, so we were always moving to something different new or else away from something that he was trying to avoid because i remember several times just packing a u-haul trailer in the middle of the night and leaving and, really yeah and, and we'd get to our destination and he i don't know what he did with the u-haul trailer but Wow uh, I don't think I made it back to the U-haul place. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I did eventually. So you guys just traveled around a lot. It was fun um, as a kid, you enjoy that kind of stuff. It sure impacts your education because I don't think I stayed in a school for I mean there were years where I probably didn't go to school half the school year because we were moving So it had a, it had an impact on my education but you know yeah, we overcame. So outside of Oklahoma, what was some of your favorite places to live, favorite states that you oh, enjoyed? Gosh. We lived in, um, I love Colorado. We, we lived in- um, Who doesn't love Colorado? Yeah, that was a great place to live, great place to play. Um, I, we lived in Iowa for three years. I loved a small town, Iowa. Now, what was that like? Was it more of a
0: farming community? I mean, that's the classic idea of Iowa. Was that what it was like? It
1: was a little town called Manchester, Iowa, 3,500 people. And he worked in a jewelry store as a watch repairman. Hmm. And we just, it was just a great town. And then he decided to open up a truck stop just outside of Manchester called the Y Truck Stop. And we were there for maybe a year. And then the guy disappeared. Huh. And so my mom loaded us all up in a car and. Well, no, us. no. Like the stepdad just up and left? He just up and left. Wow. Yeah. Just up and left. So my mother loaded us up in a car and we came back to Oklahoma and lived with her parents for a while. And then she found a place and I've been here ever since. That was 1962. Goodness gracious, man. That is quite an adventure. Yeah.
0: Of course, it sounds great when you're a kid, you know, the whole idea of not going to school. Yes. I mean,
1: yes, that was, that was kind of fun. Kind of fun. So.
0: Yeah. Well, man. Okay. So you traveled around, you settled back here in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go to
1: college? Did you? I went. We were in Dell City. I went to Dell City High School, and then I went to OBU for a semester and flunked out of that pretty quickly. O B Y. Okay, so you uh, and had then, been I, work. then I did junior college, and I got into. Uh, I'd always been involved in the arts, so uh, Rose State College, which at the right. time was Oscar Rose Junior College, huh? When, when they just opened it, I went there and I studied art. And then I went to Grover Cleveland um, Institute of Art I learned how to be a painter. And I fell in love with the landscape and painted. That was my career for a long time.
0: You have some famous paintings here in major places in Oklahoma, don't you?
1: Um, my, my, I guess, I don't know if I'm going to use the word famous, but my my major accomplishment was to be commissioned to a to do a landscape that hangs in the Capitol on the Senate side. Yeah, because
0: only non-famous people get to paint <laughs> pictures that hang in the Capitol of the state. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm trying to be humble. No, that, that's later. Let's be prideful right now. <laughs> so, wow, that's pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was so, a, so yeah. there's, there's probably, that's probably because... My kids and I, me and the girls, we go there at least once a year and just walk around the state capitol. Yeah. So now I'm going to be going this year
1: on a hunt for the Rick Fry. It's on the third floor on the Senate side and the painting is called A uh, Place to Cross. A Place to Cross. What what inspired you to name it that? What were you looking at? It, mean, was, it, it was commissioned, and gosh, I'm going to forget the guy's name, by a, a, a senator. And they wanted... Uh, Representation of the South Canadian River combined with sort of the cross timber stuff. Cross timbers are the small scrub oaks and right. that were there was an impenetrable barrier coming out to the prairie. And uh, I said, okay, you want me to paint a picture of a river with a scrub oak tree on it? You know, that's incompatible. Right. That tree could not grow. next to the river. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't care. That's what we want. So that's what I gave him. And uh, it it represents a time when the South Canadian was a real river and it was, it was hard to cross. Huh. And so we picked this place that was sandy and looked like shallow enough to cross and wow that's amazing yeah. dude it was
0: it was pretty fun it's pretty wow fun. that's so well cool so if you're in oklahoma city go, go to the capitol go to the third floor over by the senate and go on a rick fry hunt go look for the painting <laughs> by rick fry dude that really is a major that's a pretty cool deal it's pretty cool
1: deal
0: yeah it really cool is deal. um so you got into painting went to school did that what is your favorite kind of painting landscape abstract
1: um, I really don't know if there's any other kind of portraits. There mine mine if you're going to title it was it's called representational where I do really I don't do photographic type okay. work. It's between um ab, it's between um um See I like impressionism abs- it's between impressionism and realism. Okay.
0: See I like abstract because to me it just looks like you throw stuff on a canvas and go look
1: there it is, you I, know. And I did that for a while. <laughs> did you really? Yes. I could do a painting in an hour. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, And then, the you know, the landscapes took week or sometimes two weeks yeah. to, to complete, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that I would have the patience, man. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like to me, I'm a creative person, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I struggle sometimes having multiple things going at the same time, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like if I'm creating something whether it's uh, a graphic or something or 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 even writing um, uh, a message or something it's like i just get this tunnel vision and i'm gonna go until it's done even if it takes me 20 hours you know I, i don't know
1: that i would have the patience no that requires that kind of focus oh really yeah it requires that kind of focus to do painting because you not only have to see the color You have to see the elements that make it interesting. My job as a painter is to get you emotionally involved in the piece that I'm working on. So once I've finished it, I have to get people go, oh, I've been there. I know what that looks, you know. And it requires that kind of focus. Tunnel vision is a a really good way to describe it. And I'm not. I'm ADD. Well, I am too, which is even more of a problem. But When it comes to being creative, when it comes to doing a project, I can totally focus on that, and for hours.
0: You know, that really is weird. Maybe some of you that are listening today, um, maybe you've got uh, issues with ADD, and uh, we're actually planning, I'm planning an episode uh, here very soon, we're going to actually talk with a counselor, and we're going to talk specifically about ADHD and, and some steps, uh, to help us all overcome that, because I think most people have some sort of brain damage. You know, I mean, it just it, it, it's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, it's called the fall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but but ADHD, man. Yeah, it's some of the most creative people on the planet have ADHD.
1: And I took medicine for it once and it changed my personality because I'm I'm pretty outside the box I'm a pretty outside box thinker, and I people say I, I that I'm funny, and I think I am, but my wife is kind of <laughs> <laughs> not here. So we love you, Lori. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's heard all my A material. Oh, there a. you go, yeah. <laughs> but when it changed me, it I became serious, and I didn't like the person that I You didn't I was. like being serious. Uh-uh. I didn't like the person I was on medicine. So Did was, Lori like it? She didn't know me then. Oh, she didn't? No. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't know me then, but...
0: Well, we'll we'll have to ask her sometime. Lori, would you like a serious rick fry? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Because... No. All right. So, uh, you you got involved in painting. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, I've already alluded to the fact that you eventually got married. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how did that come about in your life? I...
1: How did love happen? Well... Several times, um, <laughs> um, one of them. I, I was married for thirty years, and um, gosh, it was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the blame for this okay. because of being ADD. I, at times I'm hard to live with. Okay, and at times I, um, I'm a, You may understand this when I get on a project, I. I'm like a a crazy person focused on it. Yeah, And if somebody interrupts that or something, it's not a good experience. It's I get irritable I get crazy and I can't change. I can't, I can't move from this to that without some sort of period of time for me to change my mind. Um, Totally get that. Yeah. And so when I finished a project, I'm going, okay, what's next? Yeah. Cause I can do a lot of stuff and I, Conquer. I I learned how to. I, I learned birds. I became mm-hmm. an amateur ornithologist. Ornithologist. Wow. I wow. You can't it. even say I it. I can't say it. Ornithologist. Wow. Anyway, you still are look, it up, look it up. Look it up. And I spent years learning birds because I I illustrated birds. That was one yeah. of the things I did before I painted landscapes. Is I illustrated birds. Ornithologist. There, there you is. go. And um, so. I not only learned the birds, I learned their calls. And I did this all in a two year period. So I was a madman and the kids would get in the car and the wife would get in the car and I would put a tape in listening to bird calls. And everybody would groan and carry on. Why can't we listen to something else? But I was so intent on learning this that I just made other people around me crazy. So um, after about 30 years, she decided she couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. And we spent 10 of that last 30. I lived in the back of the house and she lived in the front of the house and yeah. so we were we were already separated. We just lived two we just shared a space. Sure. And so after after that was over, I became involved in a ministry, um a camping ministry. And I did this for 10 15 years at the church we went to in norman and i would do father and son campouts in the in the fall and father daughter campouts in the spring and then do other take other people camping and i would do all the logistical stuff and do all the cooking i became um, fascinated by camp cooking cooking with dutch ovens and yeah and uh um where was I going with that? I don't know. You were in Norman <laughs> You were in Norman doing camping. Oh camping so ministry. I decided the camping ministry needed another component because I became interested in men's ministry. I had spent most of my adult life um, in a pornography addiction. Okay. And it was it became clear to me that probably eighty percent of the men in my church were involved at some level in pornography excuse me.
0: You're fine, and that's true. I mean, the stats are even technically higher than that. It's uh, well over 90. Yeah, I think
1: it's well more than it was then. And so I wanted to do a program. I wanted to be able to counsel men. I wanted to get them in a place where it was safe to talk about it because pornography is one of those things that carries a big shame tag. It really does. And forgive me, but the church understands it the least. Totally.
0: The church is pretty much gas in that engine. In yeah. the shame engine when it comes yeah. to it.
1: And so I wanted to get guys away from they needed time to get away from the house, to get away from work, to get away from church, and we and I thought, man, there's no more intimate place to talk about these issues than around a campfire mm-hmm. where it's safe and these guys can say, "Yeah, I've been doing this and I don't know how to get out of it." Yeah. And so I I wanted to c- have a program th- that I could use to counsel with. So I looked at Celebrate Recovery and Celebrate Recovery has a lot of good Mm -hmm. um, aspects to it, but they really can't, it's really not designed to um, address the insidiousness of pornography and the deep shame that comes with being involved in this stuff as a believer, as a Christian. So I went to Scope Ministries and I, I went there to learn how to do weekend um, sort of Be Transformed workshop, was, which is where their, their fundamental teaching tool was a class called Be Transformed. And when I got there, God changed everything. He says, he took me out of the art business, he took me out of the camping ministry, and I went into counseling full time. And I did that for probably five years, and I felt God calling me to something else. So I'm still counseling with men on this level, um, I got involved with uh, um, Hope Ministries. It's a recovery group. There's, I think, three houses mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City area and dealing with men with addictive behaviors. And um, it's something that I've enjoyed until I got into podcasting and God made another move. Sure. And now I spend all my time um, developing um, content for podcasting and we're, we're moving into video podcasting so, yep you are and there's my story there's your story well hey let's um let's first
0: give a little plug here uh one more time you're listening to the stream grace network and my guest today is rick fry and rick has a podcast that i want to push on our network it's called i love that. it's it's probably my favorite title Cause, Cause, I so identify with the man box, and um, Rick actually opens up the vault and invites you to to go inside the man box. Check out the inside the man box podcast. Uh, you will really, really enjoy it. Um, and it's a great one that Rick does right here on the network at streamgrace.com. Hey, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the pornography thing for for a few minutes. Okay. Um, you know, I think men that are going to get healthy yes mentally have to also deal with spiritual issues yes. and you know pornography is, involves both of those yes. there's definitely a spiritual component but there's also a physical mental addiction yes uh, that's that's tied with that um and i think a lot of times people that have grown up in in a christian background um we, we don't understand the mental addiction that, that goes along with it. It's actually, uh, I was asking uh, or talking to someone just recently about this and this, this lady was struggling with understanding why her husband was struggling with this issue. And, uh, she was just very adamant, you know, this is just wrong. It's in and, and everything. And, um, I, I just asked her, I said, cause she just happened to have a route 44 Sonic drink <laughs> right there. Plug for Sonic yeah. Oklahoma's Anyway, and I said, hey, how many of those do you drink a day? She said, at least two. I said, so you have a sugar addiction and sugar hits the hypothalamus in your brain, the pleasure center of your brain, and releases chemicals that when you're stressed, you can get that Dr. Pepper and it calms you down. She said, yes, yes, that's what... And I said, well, it's the exact same thing with your husband. There is a chemical.
1: chemical. Talk about that for a minute. Well, it's an endorphin. And... It is more powerful than cocaine. This this addiction, this need for ah, acceptance from women who take their clothes off for you, and there's no condemnation. Right? They say nothing to you that that uh, insults you or makes you feel bad. Their their job is to make you feel good in this moment, and. That is very addictive because of the chemicals that it releases. Those chemicals are incredibly strong and incredibly powerful. And I say to wives, it has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. It has nothing to do with my wife. It has everything to do with some mysterious need that I've developed based on the criticism, the um dysfunction of my relationship to my mother pornography is is closely related to being angry at women Hmm. and there's no way to express it there's no way for there was no way for me to express how angry i was at my mom because of the stuff that she let us go through um and so i shifted that anger to something else and then became addicted to that wow yep so it was your mom yeah, pretty much it, and it became women. yeah, and I'm the woman I was married to was very critical, and very she hated the art business. Mm-hmm. She hated the thing that I wanted to do more than anything. and it was a constant fight for me to continue to to be in that. So I dealt with all of this disrespect and all of this um, negative, attitude towards the thing i love to do. So once again in order to get peace, i went somewhere else to get it. Sure. For those of you that maybe are interested
0: in learning about what happens to your brain, remember those commercials, you know with the fry pan and the egg, you yes. know this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. Um listen, here here are some things that all run in the same category. Are you ready listeners? Um uh sugar addiction pornography Cocaine, mm-hmm. alcohol—you mm-hmm. can be addicted to all those at the same time. At the same time, <laughs> but every one of those all are hitting the pleasure center of your brain, releasing chemicals. Um, here's 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 a brand new one that you ought to think about, um, and we're going to do a podcast on this in the future too. Screen time on your phone yes. literally affects your brain. The same as if you were doing cocaine, taking a shot of cocaine. If that's what's happening on the the brains uh, on the inside of your brain, releasing these chemicals, which is why you constantly pick up your phone and always stare at it. So, why do I put all that together? Because we've got to get over this hierarchy of sinful behaviors, absolutely, and realize it's all on the same level. Let me Don't add, you think?
1: Let me yes, absolutely. Let me add one more to it: um, women, pornography, are romance novels. Exactly. Hey. I'm surprised at how many women are
0: struggling with hardcore porn. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: That number has gone way up over the last. It's just
0: amazing. Yeah. So when you're talking with men, um, what, what would be the way that you kind of talk them out of or, or help them to begin to break away from the addictive behavior?
1: There's, there's right off the top of my head and I'll probably think of there's two ways now. Um, the first one is, I, I deal mostly with men who are believers. Right. Guys who come to me knowing that I'm a biblical counselor and that I'm going to come at everything from the perspective of Christ in my life. Okay. Um when you accept Christ, the old man dies and you die with Christ and you're resurrected a new creation. Mm-hmm. At that point, at that point, all sin is forgiven. When you accept Christ, all sin, past, present, and future sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian, and you're involved in sin behavior, you're addicted to something you're free from. I spent the last 20 years of my addiction being freed from it and begging God to free me from it. Mm-hmm. And one time, I remember, five years before, five years before my release, I said to God, I hate this. I hate this. You have got to deliver me. And you know what he said to me? I already did. No, I'm guessing. No. (laughs) No? Okay, what did he he say? He said, you're not ready to receive it Hmm. because you won't believe it. And that was devastating to me to hear my God, who loves me more than my own life, say to me, you're not ready for this. Hmm. When you're ready you'll be free. Five years later, it he say, he came to me and said, okay, you're ready. You're free. You've been free the whole time, but you've been sitting in this prison cell because you didn't believe the door was open. Mm-hmm. You could look at that door and see that it's open, but you didn't believe it. Right? That's where this begins, believing that you are free from this addiction and that you stay there because you don't have the ability to accept God's Planned that he's already put into play. Agree, already involved in it.
0: I totally agree. I think one of the things as ministers, we have to do a much better job of communicating. Is we are empowered to live the life we want to live fully. The lie of the enemy is that we aren't empowered to be free. Right, that we don't have the the ability or the belief system or I, I like the word empowered. God has given us the ability to be free. Yep. Um, Galatians five one is one of my scriptures. Um, when I came out of my addictive behavior, in um, Galatians five one says, "It is for freedom; He has set you free." Yep. I used to love just that line until one day I read the rest of it and th- right. thought, "Oh, that really makes more sense now." Th- so it is for freedom; Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not return to a yoke of slavery. Now. Right. In Galatians, he is talking about the law. I understand that. Right. But all truth is parallel. And the worst kind of bondages that we can ever get into are the ones we willfully
1: take on to ourselves. Well, pornography is related to the law. Okay. Pornography is a a thing that you cannot keep by yourself you, you cannot That's break true. yourself away from that you don't have the power within you to break yourself away from pornography it is that powerful you're right and you can't keep the law either nope nobody can keep the law so these two are related you have to walk out of them because of the blood of christ that is what our, that is the the source of our freedom that is true and the the blood is so complete that i live my life Free from pornography as if it had never happened. And, and exactly. Yep.
0: And we'll, let's don't jump all the way to the end yet. Cause we're, we're going to get to that point okay. that, that when you come out of something, um, and you begin to see things from God's perspective, it really, it really, there, there's this double whammy. It's like, wow, I really lived that way mm-hmm. when I didn't have to, I didn't have to. And yet so thankful that God pulls you pulls you out um, and gives you the ability. So you're, you're talking with guys that are Christians that already have kind of some issues primarily because of the Christian background. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but how do you get them to accept that there is a habitual issue, a habit that you formed and the mental addiction that has to be overcome?
1: That's the second part of this is being first able to admit it talk about it say i don't know i can't get out of this i'm i am powerless to overcome this and accepting that christ has but then you have to start watching for triggers exactly what triggers your need to go and look at naked ladies
0: what were some of your triggers do you remember
1: um usually it was having had a fight with my wife mm-hmm. usually um uh, Another part of me that got totally changed was passivity. I was a passive man, so I stuffed everything and when you stuff um um shame and guilt right. and all of that stuff that we have placed on us, some it's got to come out somewhere, right It's gotta be released somewhere, and so I would go sit in front of a computer and binge mm-hmm. um, so. I have to recognize that if somebody treats me in a way that I feel disrespected, i that's a trigger. Okay, And I have to recognize that this person is really not disrespecting me. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they had a fight with their wife. Maybe something else is influencing their attitude towards me. So I can't be so hypersensitive right. to other people's attitudes toward me. So when I start seeing that, it's a trigger. And so I address it. I go before the Lord and say, look, I'm really feeling this, and can you give me what I already have to help (laughs) me um, not fall to this? Right. The other one is um, um, depression. I -hmm. dealt with depression, and uh, you think— you get it in your head. If I just do this, it'll make me feel better and the depression will go away. Well, it, what it really does is make it worse. Makes it worse. Makes it worse. So yeah. depression is a trigger. If I feel myself getting depression, get, getting depressed, and sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Right. I don't even know what has caused me to feel like I'm worthless. Like right. I have no value because it's it's a lie. Right, and so I, I, let's just assume that the enemy has the capacity to push that button to to do cause me to see something that cause that um, results in in me feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. It was normal for a long time, and when you move out of an old normal into a new normal, sometimes you want to create what you had with the old normal. So depression is a great tool for that.
0: It is. I can tell you some of mine okay. um, that I remember. And maybe this will speak to some of you men listeners out there. Stress, stress was a big one for me when I would get stressed when I felt out of control. Right. Okay. The lack of control would be a trigger. Um, I I am designed to be around people. I know I'm doing what I was created to do mm-hmm. um, because I am not good by myself very long. Mm-hmm. And so if I if I spend you know, I'm talking days. I'm not talking minutes. But sure. you know, if there's this extended period of time where I'm not having communication with other people and I get lonely, mm-hmm. loneliness was a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Stress, um, feeling like I wasn't in control, loneliness, and my fourth one was anger. Yes, was was a trigger because of my attitudes or whatever. And um, man, I remember when I was walking through it and I started journaling to figure out what my triggers were, Mm -hmm. you know, and journaling where I was when it happened. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was really going on behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I spent so much time dealing with that, with this issue that I never was able, it took me going to a counselor to, to look to the next level. Okay. What are the real things driving this thing? And if we unravel those root issues, guess what happens? This whole thing just is going to evaporate yes. in front of you. Um, so those are real tricks, And I think anybody who has an addictive behavior, whether it is drinking sodas, <laughs> I mean, maybe anger, maybe your anger, your attitude is an addictive behavior. Um cocaine or drug addiction, alcohol. Um, if you listen to what Rick said earlier, some of the things that he described meant alcoholics experience all of those. That's why they go to the bottle. Right. We've got to get over this thing of one addiction is worse than the other. It's all just addictive behavior that is always usually driven by pain. Yes. Um, so how continue?
1: Well, the pain is driven by unbelief. There, everything we do our as as a church member, as a, uh, a follower of Christ in a group, um, we put pressure on each other because of our behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Christian, here's how you need to act. Mm-hmm. Here's how we behave as Christians. And when you focus on behavior, that it takes your it takes your focus off of Christ. Christ wants our total focus. The behavior takes care of itself. Yes. Behavior is the things you do on the outward. Yes.
0: But if you don't fix the heart. If you don't fix the heart. You live in that unbelief. You live in that statement. Yeah, yes. That situation. Yeah. So you're talking with men trying to help them overcome or bring out, bring them to the understanding that they're empowered to live life a different way. Yeah. To forgive whoever it is that hurt them. To uh, break their ha- habitual cycles. Right. Um, those are all still kind of more the on the spiritual side. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that you guys have to do to break the chemical addiction in the brain?
1: I, you know that's a that's a great question, and all I've got all I've got to answer that with is that God changed it. Mm-hmm. God changed it. He changed my. It's like he flipped a switch. I was this way. Yesterday, today, I'm this way, and I can't tell you why, mm-hmm. except that God said to me, "No more." Right, um, and sometimes if you have a serious chemical issues, then I have them go to a medical doctor because there is medicine that can help mm-hmm, bring that bring those chemicals into balance. But for me, it just was gone. In terms of the need. Now I can still look at a television commercial and some scantily dressed woman. And Mm -hmm. as long as I'm in this earth suit, (laughs) I'm going to have to deal with what comes into my brain mind and start releasing those chemicals. And I just have, it's a choice. I face a choice and I don't, you know, there are five levels of pornography. Okay, talk about this Um, for a minute. The first one is just curiosity, and I hope I can remember them all. The second one is maybe you do it, look at it once a month or twice a month. The second one, you start doing it on a weekly basis. Um, The the third one is daily binges, where you may spend four or five hours a day doing it. (laughs) Golly. And the third one is that it consumes your life. And what, what is that like if, if it consumes your life? How would you describe Everything that? Everything you do is, well, it, it's sort of like wanting a drink. Everything you do is about getting that next encounter, about getting that next drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I will call in sick because I want to stay home and, and look at pornography all day. Um, Marriage is in because I'd rather spend time in front of the computer than with my wife. Yeah. Everything is controlled by that urge, that need, to look at this stuff. Yeah. And it has that much power. It really does. It has that much power. And those are the guys that really, really need um, chemical assistance. I got to probably stage three
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I would binge for, you know, I would allow myself a monthly binge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I could come home from work and nobody was home and I would spend four or five hours yeah. looking at this stuff. But I would only do it every. You know, two or three weeks, I would allow myself
0: the time to right. do it. You know, I'm someone, even though I just said that loneliness can be a trigger for me, I am someone who who enjoys my alone time. Uh-huh. Um, and so I know when I came through my, when God brought me out of, brought me into the freedom that I'd always been created to enjoy. Yes. Um, I still had to put some uh, things in place. Yes. some guardrails, if you will, so I wouldn't hijack myself and go off the road. And one of those is that I fell in love with finding uh, restaurants and coffee shops where I could be around people, put my headphones on, get my work done, Mm -hmm. do the things I needed to do, and have this feeling of I'm by myself because I'm not with my family or whatever, but yet I was never really alone. Right.
1: Um, Did you experience anything (laughs) like that? My experience in in that was that to talk about it. Just by talking about it? Just by talking about it. Having the freedom, having somebody um, that I trusted uh, that I could just talk to about it and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. And and, and you don't have to go into detail. It's just knowing that when you begin or even if you've involved, you've just come off a binge, being able to go and say, here's what I did and i don't want to call that an accountability partner because a, an accountability partner is just somebody else I'm going to lie to right. i keep the i keep the relationship just as you and me you and i let's go get a cup of coffee i really need to talk to you about yep. something and i don't want you to fix it right because it's already fixed i just need to get to the fix right to get i just need to get it out and not be condemned for For it. I think for me, for me and the guys
0: that I've ministered to and tried and successfully helped them Mm -hmm. break out of this, one of the first ones that I have to convince them of is that you bring it into the light, it suddenly loses a lot of its power.
1: Amen. I mean, it is
0: such a secret Mm -hmm. deal. And that really is its fuel, its gas, if you will. But if you do involve someone else, if you find it safe, like you talked about, Mm -hmm. to open up and say, hey, this is me. Well, that's great, but you know, that you've opened it up and you've admitted it. But there is this phrase that God gave me when I came out of mine um, years and years ago, but it's now become kind of one of those themes in my life. I really do believe this. Life is too short to walk alone. And there are some things we are not able to deal with by ourselves and God designed it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, I love the scene. Um, they did a really good job in the movie, by the way. Um, I love J.R.R. Tolkien. I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Mm -hmm. but the one scene they captured really well in the movies, um, was there at Mount doom when Frodo is really struggling and he can't quite get up the mountain to get into the crack of the Mount Uh, to get rid of the ring that um, Sam who has been with him this whole time says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And that's what people need in their life is brothers that are going to walk through things together, not just someone to always make me tell me what I'm doing wrong
1: or, or uh, whatever, but I need a buddy to walk through it with me. Yeah. You don't need somebody saying, just quit, just stop it because Gosh, I wish I'd have thought You don't that. think I
0: want to <laughs> stop it? I mean, seriously, you think I want to live this way?
1: Here's something else, and I've never told anybody this because um, it could cause some heads to explode. So listeners, be ready. Okay. I prayed about this. I prayed, and it's been in the last four years, when I prayed. I, I'm still tempted. I still um, sometimes want to go to the computer and I was talking to God and I said, look, I don't want to do this. I don't want, I don't, it's not who I am. It's not who you Mm -hmm. created me to be. And God said to me, you know, I don't care. You can look at naked women if you want to. I don't care. It's not good for you. (laughs) It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect our relationship. I don't care. And I, and I just caused me to blink my eyes. And he said, in those words, he says, you not only have the freedom not to do it, but you have the freedom to do it. Which mm-hmm. are you going to choose? Right. You get to make the choice. Hey, man, he
0: gives us, I I can go out and eat a bunch of fattening food. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Now, it's going to hurt me. Yes. It's not good for me. It's not, I'm, my body is not designed to consume that. Right. But you're right. I have the freedom to do whatever
1: I want to do. Yes. But I've also got to deal with all the consequences that I'm bringing to my own life. And that helps me to choose not to. Mm-hmm. For God to say to me, it's your choice. I love you anyway. Right. And I, you cannot do anything to cause me not now, to Now, see, love that's you. true.
0: There ain't no way I'm disagreeing with that. Yeah. Some people may, may not like the verbiage that you've used. Yeah. But. The truth of the reality is still the same. Again, those that are kind of maybe are reacting a little negatively right now, let's take the word or the topic that we're discussing, pornography, let's set it off the table and let's talk about lying. Let's talk about anger. Yes. You have the freedom to tell the truth, but you also have the freedom to lie. Yep. He's not going to not love you if you choose to lie, but... I used to tell my, I tell my kids all the time, um, if you never learn anything from me, learn this: God gives you the freedom to choose, but He doesn't give you the freedom to change the outcome of your choices. Exactly. And so you get to choose. That's that's what really what freedom is. But then, what well, the way that we choose sets things in motion that we have to go through
1: um, because we made a bad bad choice. When you take away the idea that what i'm getting ready to do is a dis, is a disappointment to god when you take that away it i go oh, it's like it's like pouring water on the fire yeah because he's not going to be disappointed in me no and, he's not and i can go okay well it just sort of well i don't want to i don't want to do it now
0: one of the best revelations i think people can ever come to um and i want you to really listen to what i'm about to tell you I am not and Rick I know you even as you're sharing your story today you are not the same person you were you are today you, you weren't the same person 10 years ago it, that was I am not okay I'm not the same person today that I was 10 years ago
1: no you're not
0: so I'm a better person today right you're a better person today yet from the day that we accepted Christ God's view of us has never improved never Ever, never at all he even when i'm going when i was going through my issues messed up got baggage all kinds of stuff his view for me is as if there was no baggage this is not there he viewed me in my completed state yes. not my progressive state and if you can grab a hold of that folks then suddenly grace and mercy makes a whole lot more sense mercy is what we have that allows us in our imperfectness to still follow God to be in relationship with the father we got issues we got to work at sin if if that's the way you want to look at it we got things we got to work out Mm -hmm. and yet that mercy is there and he allows himself to see us from our completed state and then the grace which is something you carry grace then allows us to walk In this way of growing and learning and working out our salvation, you know, before the Lord, all the way up until we get to the end, and we finally we get to realize who we were created to be. Right. Be it from God's vantage point, from the day that you
1: accepted Christ, His view of you has never improved at all. When you take away the element of time, we are stuck (laughs) with this stuff called time. But you take that away. God sees the beginning, God sees the end, all at the same Mm -hmm. time. So he's not looking at Rick Fry in the middle of his crisis, in the middle of his struggles. Um, He's looking at the finished Rick Fry that he created me to be. Because when I go to be with him, that's what I'll be. I'll be what he sees. Right now, we're stuck in this time stuff. We continually do things that are not consistent mm-hmm. with who are with our identity in Christ, and um, the beautiful thing is there's no judgment because we are already judged righteous. That's what I have to convince men of. Mm-hmm. It, your behavior doesn't define you.
0: That's true. What defines you
1: is Christ.
0: That is true. What do you say to do? You guys ever talk to wives? Yes. What do you say to them? Maybe there's some wives listening to us today that are going, "Yeah, that's easy for you guys to say, yeah, but yeah. I'm the one feeling rejected and judged and
1: discarded." Yeah. What yeah. do you say to them? Um, <laughs> women. Okay, I don't want to get everybody to hate me right off. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> women are the most insecure creatures on this planet. Ouch. Yep. Every woman believes she's one fight away from losing her husband. That is how strong that insecurity is. So what we do is, and we also have to understand that women think about everything all All the the time. time. That is true. And so you said back in 1983 that I was this. I will never forgive you of that. And the reason they can do that is because they don't ever get the chance to get resolved. Mm-hmm. So um, I go to my wife and I say, I am sorry. I have done things that make you, um, that cause you to choose to feel this way. That's my behavior that caused that. What mm-hmm. you have to understand that you are already feeling that way before I did what I did. So how can we work together for you to realize who you are in Christ and I can realize who I am in Christ and to live out of our identity as believers and um, how you don't need me to complete you because you're completed in Christ. So what I do really can't affect you because of how complete you are in Christ. Right. I don't want to do these things to you, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to (laughs) because... I'm in this man suit. I'm just a guy. (laughs) And I do, I'm sorry, I do really (laughs) stupid things and say really stupid things sometimes, and I know when I do it. I agree. Guys, um, own who you are, and... Talk to somebody if you're caught up in something, but also talk to your wife. Don't hide these things from your wife because the worst thing you can do to her is lie to her because that's the knife in the heart. When you lie to a woman, that is like convincing her that her insecurity is real. That's true. Don't lie to her. You're going to have to tell her things, maybe, maybe. That she's not going to like and it's going to hurt her, but it's far better to get it out now, deal with it, build your lives around the truth rather than hiding in our separate insecurities, our separate um, belief systems that we've created for ourselves. I hope that makes sense. It should make sense. Yeah.
0: Um, Because that is true. Uh, Just like it is the secrecy that fuels it for guys uh-huh. it is also i think the secrecy that is really the crux of the issue in a marriage yep. by hiding it um there is a great book um, it's actually a couple of books that i highly recommend um by shanti and jeff fieldhand oh
1: man we teach those
0: for men only yeah, for women only. and for women only listen you guys ought to get these books but um in the, for men only, one of the things that they talk about that helped my relationship with my wife was how that we can have the same words, but they they have completely different definitions. Yep. And one of those was security. Yep. And I remember reading that chapter on a plane ride and it messed with me to the point that I woke her up at three in the morning when I landed and I said, we got to talk about this because is this really true? Where I think of security as being what I provide for you. And you think about security as in the relationship, relationship. between the two of us. Yes. And so, guys, listen, that's why the secrecy in your marriage, whether it is pornography or anything else, is so damaging mm-hmm. because you're violating their security. And then, come on, guys, let's just be real here. Um, we think they don't know, yet they always know something's <laughs> going on. They
1: may not know what. Um. Women, I, I don't I don't know about you, but I married a woman who's hundred times smarter than me. Lori, you heard it here first. <laughs> yes. This woman is so much smarter than me and I can't hide anything from yeah. her. And, because of how she loves me <clears throat> and how she completely accepts me, she accepts the fact that I was involved in pornography. Yeah. She accepts that. Now, She wouldn't be happy if I became engaged in it again. Right. But she would. She understands it, that it has really nothing to do with her. But I'm not going to do it. Right. Because I don't want to do anything that's going to damage her trust. I don't want to do anything that's going to erode um, the trust. Right. So I'm going to tell her everything. I exactly agree, man. I'm going to tell her everything. Totally agree.
0: Hey, before we wrap up and I'll let you uh, just share whatever you want to share, which is what I like to do on my show. So you can just say whatever you want to say for a few minutes. I do want to kind of dovetail everything that we've talked about today. There is a, um, especially with this idea that God's view of us doesn't improve, right. even though we improve. So in the Bible, in Isaiah forty six ten, it it says, God declares about himself. I declare the end from the beginning. That's a big deal. Because while he's at the beginning, he's declaring what the end is. Yes. So he's, he's, he's showing the difference between the two. That's why he can look at us from the end point of our life Yes, and let's grace and mercy cover the beginning points of our relationship with him and in the progress all the way through. So just know that from God's vantage point, folks that are out there, whatever your hangups are, whatever your issues are. When we say that God loves, He loves from that position of seeing who He created us to be and who we are in His eyes, and let the shame and the fear that you're going to offend God or God's going to be mad at you or you mess up and you're done. And we need to get those lies out of there because the Father does love us. Those that have come to him and accepted Christ as, as their savior, which Jesus Himself said, I'm the way. So once you've done that, from that point forward, he sees you from this completed state yes. and gives you the grace and the mercy to walk towards that end result.
1: Yes. Say whatever you want to say, man. John 14. Go for um, it. I think it starts in verse 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If is the most mistranslated word in all of scripture. It ought to be translated as since. Since you love me, you will keep my my commandments that takes the pressure off of me because I don't know how to love him the way he loves me I don't have the capacity to love him the way he says that in his commands the two love me with all your soul all your heart and all your mind by the way he changed scripture when he told the Pharisees that Mm -hmm. because in in is it Deuteronomy he quoted from Deuteronomy yes it's might Mm -hmm. and in this scripture he says mind Mm -hmm. which they had to be shocked by him saying that. And then he goes on to say, talk about he's sending another comforter. And he says, mm-hmm. I will not leave you orphans, which means fatherless. And I will abide in you forever. The word forever is two words in the original text. For is a cyclical um, measurement of time. Ever, it means imperfect in perpetuity Perpetuity, and it um has not it not only changes your future but it changes Changes your your past your past so now my history is christ Mm -hmm. my future is christ and that's eternal that's right and so i did all this stuff i'm ashamed of but i do not live in shame no i did all this stuff i'm not happiness i'm not happy with but i live and i never believed in happy I I believed in joy, but I'm a happy man. Sure. I live a happy life, and it's because God's given me a woman who appreciates me, and he's given me the the information of my reality is that I am no longer identified with any kind of sin. That is correct. That is
0: good, man. It's all gone. It is all gone. We've got to get over the shame thing of being ashamed before God— you know that's something that God's done in me. Yeah. Um, still doing. Let's put it that way. I'm, but I no longer think about making God ashamed of me. So when we carry shame, what we're doing is we're basically beating ourselves down and telling ourselves, "Well, God can't use me because of this." Right. So we're carrying shame, but we carry that because we think God is ashamed of us. Yes. But He is not ashamed of us, even in our mistakes and our. Uh, Our our progression of getting, quote, better, becoming better people. He's not ashamed of us because we are hidden and found in Christ.
1: The word discipline, the word disciples. It's not negative. It's training. It's positive. We are being trained to be who we are. Yeah. We are trained to be who God sees us at the end, like you were talking about earlier. That's our training. That
0: is the training. Yep. That is the process. Hey, man, if you want to, if you're listening today, men, you need to get to the place of freedom. Freedom is not a concept. It's a way of living. Yes. And you need to find freedom. I don't care if it's from your attitudes, uh, from uh, chemical dependency, um, habitual issues like pornography that we've talked about today. There is hope. There is help and you cannot do some things on your own. And there are some things you can't pray out either. Some things you just got to let God help you work out and you got to get other people involved in your life. So Rick, if somebody wanted to reach out to you
1: guys, how could they do that? Our website is oneness-ministries.org. Go to our website. If you want to call, the number's there. Um, There's also an intake form. If you want to get help, you want to get see somebody, um, call us do you Just guys do video
0: conferences and stuff like that we
1: can we Zoom have conferences yeah. and stuff Yeah, we can.
0: Well, take advantage of oneness ministries and my friend Rick Fry Rick I have really really enjoyed Thank you. this conversation today and I hope it has been a blessing to all of you that are listening today I want you to know God has created you to live out his purpose in the earth to do that we got to get healthy man we got to get our minds right we got to get our bodies right we got to get our lives right and this is one way you can do it thanks for joining us today on the renewed you podcast check out our other podcast at streamgrace.com we'll see you next time remember the world deserves a renewed you